That's it right there. All right, that's what I thought it was. Say, how did you know that? Because I know everything. (coughs) Amen. That was it right there. That light wasn't fully turned on. It was just about that much, not all the way up. It caused that little buzz there. All right, well, I'm glad you're here tonight. And, uh, boy, uh, appreciate that song. What a tremendous truth that is, that sweet hour prayer. Amen? that good? That's good stuff. Again, choir, great job again tonight as well. Well, we're going to go ahead and take a few moments tonight. We're going to look at a passage in the book of Mark, Mark chapter 10. It's a very familiar passage. It's one of my favorite. I, uh, I, I like a number of those accounts where Jesus heals people. And uh, this is one of those times. And we're going to take just a few minutes and look at this account. Mark chapter 10, we're going to begin in verse 46. Toward the end of the chapter there, Mark chapter 10, verse 46. (coughs) The book of Mark is an interesting book. It shows Jesus Christ as a servant. And as a result of that, uh, uh, there's a lot of action in it. Straightway is actually one of the main words that's used in that particular book. And so there's a lot of action, and uh, Jesus is found doing a number of things in that uh, particular book. We see that side of him as a servant, uh, serving God, serving his people, uh, doing all of those things. Here we find in chapter 10 now, he's going to reach out to a blind man by the name of Bartimaeus. Verse 46, And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus sat by the highway side begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. David stood still, excuse me, and Jesus, David, and Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, and he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Jesus had already shared his soon tragic fate with his disciples. Over in the book of Mark chapter 10, just a few verses earlier, he says, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests, unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death shall deliver him to the Gentiles, and they shall mock him, and shall scourge him, and shall spit upon him, and shall kill him. And the third day he shall rise again. The disciples, of course, were very troubled by this information. As a matter of fact, they continued to grow ever more afraid as the day drew near. James and John then approached Jesus with a very interesting request. In Mark chapter 10, verse 37, they asked, Grant unto us that we may sit, one on the right side and the other on the left hand, in thy glory. Now, as one can imagine, this didn't go over very well. 
they weren't, the other disciples weren't very pleased with these particular men seeking to be elevated and exalted right on the right and left hand of Jesus Christ himself. Well, when that's all settled and everything's done there, they end up in a place called Jericho. How long they stayed isn't quite, uh, we're not quite sure. First of all, Jesus was headed to Jerusalem where we know he had an appointment with a cross. And secondly, all that separates their arriving and their departure in this particular passage is a colon. There's not a whole lot said, so we're not sure exactly what took place. But I have to believe that it was a rather short period of time, maybe not very long at all. (coughs) Excuse me. As Jesus, his disciples, and a great number of folks made their way out of the city of Jericho, there on the roadside sat a beggar. A beggar by the name of Bartimaeus. What takes place... Is a miracle. And I want to take just a moment and I want to consider some important aspects in this passage. Oh, by the way, blind Bartimaeus is better now. And that's the message I want to preach to you tonight. Blind Bartimaeus is better now. Father, we come to you. We thank you for this time together. And Lord, we're asking you to speak to our hearts. Just a real simple little message tonight. Father, we're asking you, Lord, just to use these next few moments to be glorified and exalted. You said that if you were lifted up, you draw men unto you. And, Lord, 2,000 years ago, you were indeed lifted up. Tonight, Father, we want to lift you up once again, not on a cross, but in the eyes of every person that's gathered here tonight. Bless, Father, me as I proclaim the word. May you fill me with your Holy Spirit. Allow me, Father, to be your mouthpiece. Stand in my shoes and may your word go forth with great unction and power tonight. Bless, Father, these that are here tonight. May you bless their ears. May they hear with spiritual ears. May we, Father, truly be different for having come. We do love you. We thank you for this time that we have together. And for the hearts and the folks that have gathered tonight that truly do desire to glean from your precious word. Father, may you reward them now. In Christ's name, amen. First of all, I want to note Bartimaeus' condition. In verse 46, we notice in the passage, the Bible says, And they came to Jerusalem, and as he went out of Jerusalem with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. This man was blind. Now, blind uh, it wouldn't mean a whole lot to us as we find somebody, say, in our, our, our world that's blind. We'd say, well, unfortunately, they were born without sight, and that's, uh, that's a tragedy, and that's unfortunate, but there's nothing we can do about it. But what I want you to understand is that in the Bible, when we see blindness, it represents something far greater than just someone that has an impediment, someone that doesn't have the ability to see. In the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 4, turn there if you would, please. The Bible gives us an idea or an indication of what that is and outlines it for us there. 2 Corinthians, chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. 
Second Corinthians can be found following First Corinthians. I just wanted to give everybody a little bit of help. <clears throat> chapter 4. Chapter 4, beginning in verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. <clears throat> blindness, then, is a picture of spiritual blindness <clears throat> in the Bible. <clears throat> so when we see Bartimaeus in his present condition of blindness, he's really representative of all mankind who is blind to the truth, who cannot see Jesus Christ or recognize Him as Savior and Lord. So he's blind. But not only is he found blind on the roadside, but he's also begging. He's a beggar in rags. Matter of fact, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 64, verse 6, the Bible very clearly says that all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And so as a result of that, we see that this blind Bartimaeus, as tragic as his circumstances were, is representative of a number of other people whose circumstances are not only equally as bad, but far worse. Spiritual blindness, spiritual beggar, begging, is much worse than even physical. This man was beyond help, or so it seemed. Every day he took his place on the highway side there begging there's no indication to say that he knew Jesus was coming that day. All we know is that as Jesus departed out of the city, there we found him being followed by a multitude, and there sat blind Bartimaeus on the side of the highway begging. I can only imagine that every single day of his life he woke up. He didn't open his eyes because he could not see, but he prepared himself the best he could. And he made his way out to that highway where there he sat begging, begging, and begging to somehow obtain the necessary elements to sustain life. They had nothing in a way of support or social help in those days. Their blind Bartimaeus begged for every bit of food that he partook. Hoping that some kind, considerate, tender-hearted person would show up and give him something, anything to get through the day. As we look at the world around us, we can't help but note that they're spiritually blind. And in so many cases, they're begging. I'm convinced today that there are a number of people in search of hope and help today. I know that they're not always open to the Word of God, and I realize that they're not always excited about hearing about Jesus or a resurrected Savior. But in their heart, there's an emptiness, there's a void. They're begging, they're begging for someone to give them the truth, to give them hope. Some seem beyond hope. But I just want to remind you one more time, Blind Bartimaeus is better now. Not only do we see Bartimaeus' condition, but we note his cry. Verse 47, And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, 
Thou son of David, have mercy on me. That cry that was heard that day was a cry of desperation. Again, he was a beggar and had great need. No social programming, no one to care and meet his needs. There he sat begging, day in and day out and day in and day out. A cry in desperation. A cry for out in des- He cried out in desperation. Can you imagine? He says, "I think I hear Jesus." And he begins to cry. He begins to, "Thou son of David, have mercy on me! Thou son of David, thou son of David, have mercy on me!" As he sought to listen to try to find the direction in which Jesus was. Thou son of David. Thou son of David! Not only did he cry out in desperation, but I believe he cried out in anticipation. I can't imagine that, although he may have been blind, I'm sure he had good ears, and he had heard how other blind men had been, had been healed, and he had also heard how others that were lame now walked, and he heard how others had been, had been dead and even raised from the dead, and I mean Bartimaeus. I can only imagine he's thinking, what a stroke of luck. What an unbelievable day it is. Jesus of Nazareth is coming by. Jesus, thou son of David. Jesus, if only I can get his attention. If only I can get his ear for one moment to just meet the Master. He cried out in desperation, but also in anticipation. And it almost appears that he cried out in condemnation. You say, what do you mean? Well... He goes, have mercy on me. Obviously, he felt undone. Obviously, he felt unworthy to even approach the Master. And may I say, as a sinner, we all, if really burdened with our sin, if really convicted of our sin, feel that we have no right to call upon Him and we wonder if He would even hear us if we did cry out. Sadly enough, there's such a prideful, arrogant spirit in our culture and our society today. Everybody feels they have a right that they can almost call on God like he's some old grandpa that's supposed to just snap to their every whim and desire. And somehow he should just answer their prayer because that's what, that's what grandpas do, is spoil their grandbabies. But may I say, God is no grandpa. He's no easygoing philanthropist that wants to just, I didn't say that right, but you know what I meant, that wants to try to somehow give things away to us. Man, listen, God is God, and we need to understand He's holy and He's perfect and He's righteous. I believe blind Bartimaeus, he in desperation and anticipation, he cried out, but also in condemnation, almost as if, I know, oh, oh Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy on me. I need you. I can't do this anymore. We see his condition. We notice cry. But finally we come to verse 48 and 49. And we're going to note Jesus now and his compassion. The Bible says, And many charged him that he should hold his peace. Do you know what that says to me? that many weren't about to do anything to help him.
you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I know that there's a number of people that take advantage of the system. But I do think that if we could spend a week down at the Haven of Rest, I think we'd have a different view or outlook concerning people that spend time in places like that. I think our outlook, I, I, I think that we would have much greater compassion and an understanding heart I'm not saying that sometimes we, people don't deserve what they're getting. I, I have no problem with that. I, I, I think it's important. Uh, I mean, if a man doesn't work, he, he's worse than an infidel, the Bible says. He don't provide for his family. I understand all that. And I understand there's some other aspects of the, the Word of God that are very clear-cut, that we reap what we sow. But hold on. Since when do we have a right to judge anyone in that regard? Why don't we just love people and show compassion to people? I mean, I think about blind Bartimaeus over there. And there he is, seated on the side of the highway there, crying out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy! Have mercy on me! Shh! Quiet! Quiet! Settle down! Settle down! The Master's busy. We've got things to do. Don't ruin it. He hasn't been through town in a while. We don't want to chase him off forever. He doesn't have time for the likes of you. If he was going to heal you, he had to stop by and healed you. But he obviously has somewhere to go. He has places to be and people to see. He don't have time for you. But Jesus did have time. See, we forget that he had time for us. And then somehow we don't think that we were blind and begging. Somehow we think that we wore, you know, uh, uh, robes of purple and scarlet and that we somehow had a scepter in our hand and a crown on our head and Jesus owed this to us. And many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. I don't mean to be mean and it's not in my notes, but how often have you ran into somebody, you begin to share the gospel and you lead them to Jesus Christ to find that they've been in church their whole life. Never once had they heard a clear presentation of the gospel. They're crying and they're crying out, please have mercy on me. Over and over, louder and louder, and yet no response. And I say, may we not wait till the sinner literally says, what must I do to be saved in order to share the gospel? May we reach out and give them hope and help before they have to scream at the top of their lungs. Many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still. Don't you just feel like the world stopped rotating right there? That everything just went to a grinding halt. Life ceased to exist almost. Time stopped. And Jesus said, Nothing I have to do is that important because there's somebody that needs me. 
I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, obviously, he was only headed to the cross to save us. But he decided to take a break to heal a blind man. And if Jesus can take a break from the celestial plan of God, if he can stop for just a moment and offer his assistance to somebody that everyone else tossed by the wayside, if he can give up just a few valuable moments of his time in the midst of his <clears throat> perfect plan, then I think in the chaos and confusion of our lives, we can slow down long enough to meet a need in a blind beggar's life. Jesus' compassion. We see the concern. You know, the Bible tells us, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? Isn't it wonderful that Jesus is concerned about us? I mean, to honestly think that he cares about me, what an amazing concept. What a tremendous thought. To think that he cares about me. You know, if I really grasp that truth, if I can really embrace it, it'll change my life. To think that the God of heaven, the one who created all things, views me as significant and important. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the Son of Man, that thou visitest him. Have you ever thought about why God would even take a moment to listen to you at all? <clears throat> I mean, why he even, I mean, God, why did you even waste your time on me? Have you ever thought about that? Some of you are going, yeah, I, I often wondered why he wasted his time on you. <laughs> I don't think you're saying that. I just thought I'd say that to break the ice. But do you ever think about things like that? I do. We have such an inflated view sometimes, again, of ourselves. I mean, I'm glad, God, you're so lucky that I got saved. and You're so lucky that I serve you. God, you know, I don't know what you'd do without me. I mean, this world, my family, what they do without me? I learned through a few situations in my life that God can do without Mark O'Donnell. He can do perfectly fine raising my children, handling my wife, taking care of my home without me. If he chooses to take me home, my kids can be just fine without me. My wife will be just fine without me because that would not take God by surprise. And he's still in control. See, we have an inflated view of ourselves so often. But that view ought not to be inflated by our own actions or our own perceived abilities or talents or our own perceived need. People need me so much. Community Baptist Temple folks would do just fine without Pastor O'Donnell if that's what God intends. There's somebody out there that God would have for Community Baptist. Now, whether or not you'd be patient enough to wait on the Lord and pray faithfully enough to get that right person and fast as you ought to in order to find that right one is another issue. But this is God's house. 
And the truth is, my family is God's family. And, and everything I have is His. And so we need to make sure that when we consider our value, we need to find it in Him. Because that's where it really lays. That's where it lies, truthfully, is in Christ. Paul said, I am what I am, but by the grace of God. He goes on to say, the life that I now live, I live according to the faith of the Son of God. He's got a new life. And it's in Christ. Well, Jesus is concerned today. That ought to just spark, just send a, a chill of warmth, so to speak, through your body. Just to, it ought to just make you say, Woo! God cares about me. That's an amazing truth. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. No jokes, please. Obviously, the number's much less now than it was just a few years ago. He goes on to say, Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Well, that's comforting. But you get the point. If God's concerned about every sparrow that falls to the ground, if He, if he knows every number, the number of every hair on my head, if, if God's that concerned and that, uh, uh, that plugged into my life, then listen, I'm modestly valuable to God. Whether anybody else thinks I'm valuable, God does. And blind Bartimaeus there sat on that roadside that day. And although no one else thought that he was of any value or of any significance, Jesus Christ took the time to stop his busy schedule, turn to Bartimaeus, and meet his needs. see the concern, but we note the call of the Lord. The Bible says they call the blind man. But Jesus had said, hey, get the guy. Go get him. I need to talk to him. I need to see him. I need to, I need to see what's going on with him. You know what he calls to every blind beggar today, too? Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm glad that the Lord called out to me. Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. I mean, can you imagine, I mean, can you imagine if, 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 if the President of the United States showed up at Akron Canton Airport, and, and you, you happen to be in the crowd, and as he's walking by, you say, hey, Mr. President! And he just stops. Where's that voice coming from? Go get that guy. I want to talk to him. He'd be like, whoa. That'd be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? I mean, what's the likelihood that the president would take the time to stop and talk to just any one of us because we're, hey, Mr. President! Mr. President, I need to talk to you. He'd be like, Dad. 
Got Air Force One waiting on me. I'm flying to Washington. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. <laughs> Honestly, you think he'd stop and talk to me? Mr. President! Mr. President! Located in Washington, D.C. Owner of the White House. I need you. Be like, keep that guy away from me. He's crazy. But blind Bartimaeus cried out, and Jesus, the creator of the universe, stopped. He stopped. (laughs) He stopped. That's amazing. That's totally amazing. And then he cries out and says, go get him. I want to see him too. And then we note the comfort. It says here that Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort. Rise, he calleth thee. Well, let me tell you something. When you know that God cares and that he's on the job, that brings a lot of comfort. Again, he says, Come unto me, all you that labor in heavenly, I will give you what? Rest. So we've noted... The condition, the cry, the compassion of our Lord. And now we get back to Bartimaeus, and we notice Bartimaeus' confidence. In verse 50 and 51, it says, And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Well, I don't know about you, but I think that took a lot of confidence, or at least a lot of faith. It took some courage to jump to his feet, to make his way to the master. You'll notice that the Bible says there, it says, and casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. That's implying that his garment came off quickly, that he popped up, that he jumped up. He didn't wait around. He didn't take his time. And you know what? Sadly enough, at times the lost, the the blind and the, the begging hear the gospel or they have an opportunity to meet Jesus and he cries out and he calls unto them. But there they sit. All along, the Lord Jesus longing to meet with them, longing to heal them, longing to make them whole. And yet our hearts grow colder and harder. and We fail to respond to the call of Jesus Christ. Maybe we're afraid of the change that it will mean in our life. We're afraid of how it will affect our futures. We're even possibly afraid that someone would Look at us a little cockeyed and view us as being a little crazy, a little fanatical, or maybe sinful as we walk down an aisle to an altar. This man had some confidence and he had some courage. He made his way to the Master and he did it before the multitudes. I believe he had no doubt in his mind and his heart That Jesus Christ was the solution to his problems. See, we can never forget. We just cannot forget that blind Bartimaeus is better now. Finally, we see Bartimaeus' change. Verse 52 
And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. We see his deliverance here. Immediately he received his sight. Aren't you glad salvation is immediate? You know, there are those that try to tell us somehow that you have to continue to strive and to work or pray through. If you really sincerely cry out to the Lord, you beg Him for forgiveness and ask Him to save you, He will save you. You'll no longer be blind and begging, but you'll have your sight and be restored whole. And that's how God operates. There's an old song that we sing all the time, Amazing Grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. We see his deliverance, but then we note his direction here. The Bible says that he followed Jesus in the way. Do you realize that blind Bartimaeus... He could no more follow Jesus being blind than someone that's lost. You know, there's a lot of people trying to follow Jesus that have never, ever met Him. Oh, they have a sense of religion. But they don't have Him. Christ is who we need. Salvation is a relationship. You can't follow somebody that you can't see. Now, I know in our day and age, with the technology that we have, you say, well, I don't have to see him anymore. I've got this thing, it'll cause a beep on the screen. It'll do this, it'll do that. I know, and you're looking at it. Either way, you have to be able to see where they're at. You say, well, I have to hear. Well, then obviously you're told where they're at, and a picture forms in your mind, and in essence you see them there, and you go to them. But if you're blind, you can't even get down the street to find them without someone else taking you there first. Blind Bartimaeus sat on that highway begging, and he had no way of following Jesus until Jesus gave him his sight. The very moment that we come to Christ and receive Him as Lord and Savior of our life, we can then follow Him. But let me just say, not everyone that does that is so quick to follow. Sadly enough, there are those like those ten lepers that were healed. There are those like the nine that left never even once saying thank you. But they were healed nonetheless. Only one came back to thank the Lord Jesus to acknowledge his part in healing and his gratitude toward him. I believe there are those that are not in churches and are not in their Bibles and not on their knees that have been healed of blindness. I believe that. Some may disagree. But what I know is this. even as blind Bartimaeus immediately was healed and made whole, he immediately followed Jesus in the way. And therefore, that is exactly 
what you and I ought to be doing. I think of that maniac of Gadara, don't you? I like him. I like the maniac. He gives me hope every day in my life. The Bible says that when Jesus was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Well, that was long after he had been made whole and the demons cast out. I mean, before he was running around naked in the tombs and screaming and going crazy, cutting himself. He's out of his mind and he was demonically possessed. But when the men of the city came out, they come to Jesus, they see him that was possessed, that was possessed, that was possessed with the devil, praying him, excuse me, and and, uh, sitting and clothed and in his right mind. Man, that is a wonderful transformation. And might I say that that same transformation took place in the life of Bartimaeus. Oh, I understand he wasn't a maniac running through the caverns and the caves, but he was a man seated on the side of the highway, blind and begging. He was no longer begging. He was following Jesus now. Sadly enough, Christians are found begging. I'm glad to say today that blind Bartimaeus is better now. He was blind, but now he can see. He was found by the highway begging, but now he's faithfully following the Master. He was hopeless and helpless, but now he bears the marks of a changed life and a bright future. And that's exactly what Christ will do for anyone who cries out and comes to him. I'd walk life's path with an easy tread, followed where comfort and pleasure led, and then by chance in a quiet place, I met the Master face to face. With station and rank and wealth for goal, much thought for body but none for soul, I'd entered to win this life's mad race when I met the Master face to face. I'd built my castle, reared them high, till their towers had pierced the blue of the sky. I'd sworn to rule with an iron mace, When I met the Master face to face, I met Him and knew Him and blushed to see that His eyes full of sorrow were fixed on me. And I faltered and fell at His feet that day while my castles vanished and melted away, melted and vanished and in their place. I saw naught else but my Master's face and I cried aloud, Oh, make me meet to follow the marks of Thy wounded feet. My thought is now for the souls of men. I've lost my life to find it again. Ere Since one day in a quiet place, I met the Master face to face. I hope you've met the Master. Because when you meet Him, your whole life will change. And if the change is no longer there, then rest assured it's not because you're blind, but because you're backslidden. God, help us as believers tonight to truly appreciate the work that Christ has done in our life. And like blind Bartimaeus, rise and follow after Him. For that is where the victory truly lies. 
See, blind Bartimaeus is better now. And may I say tonight that blind Mark O'Donnell is better now. Because I was right where he sat. And the truth is, if you don't realize that you sat there, then you still are there. Father, we come to you. Again, we thank you for this simple time that we've had in your word. And we just ask you, Lord, to bless us tonight now and to encourage us from the word of God. Thank you again, Father, for the hope and the help that you offer us. Father, we need you. And we just ask that you'd bless believers tonight as